Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Hey, hello, September. It's, we got here so fast. Who, who, who didn't see this coming? Who, like, completely forgot how the calendar works? And, and um, so I was talking to one of our ministry team leaders, and she was saying how September is the real new year. How, like, September is when we, we really have a new year, when we really start uh, things again, just in generally in culture. And some of you might think that, 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 you know what, that's only for a parent or a kid or someone who's in school. And it's true. Like, school is a big part of our society. And I was thinking about the, I was trying to think of, an, like, an economist. Like, what are all the little connections because one thing happens in our society? And school overlaps into so many facets. Think of all the teachers, administrators, uh, boards, bus drivers, bus and metro get filled again, cafeteria and cafeteria workers and restaurants and cafes around universities, the back-to-school supplies that are pre-done and made and then advertised and all that kind of stuff and lunches and things like that. And then I thought, what are the other industries that get hit? I think cruise ships get a boost in September. Here's why. Because grandparents are no longer taking care of their grandkids in the summer. And they're like, I'm going to go on a cruise. And so, anyways, that's just my, my odd economic theory. But, but I, I think that's, like, that's how much September changes things. Are you feeling that? You guys feeling that? Yes, some are. All right. So, so fall for us as well as a church, uh, this is our first Sunday back in September, and uh, fall for us as a church is a turn of ministry in a sense because we, if you've been with us for a while, uh, we intentionally change our rhythm in July and August. We don't, it's not because we love Jesus less uh, or uh, give worship a backseat or anything like that, but it's because we're not just a community of attenders, we're a community of ministers. We're a community of people who serve and engage, and because of that, we long for our, our our community of ministry, right, to serve out of rest and renewal and not out of a rat race. And so we really, we try our best to kind of see these two months in, in slightly a different way. And so if you're new to our church and maybe wondered why we do some of those things, it's because we don't want to just see ourselves as people who show up on a Sunday, but people who serve and engage. And so um, that's why we kind of take that shift. And, and as we move into September, um, it's a different, a little bit of a different pace. So we, we press reset right? In September, we press realignment. We invite and challenge one another moving forward. And so if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to look at this passage in the New Testament. It's, it's right after the Gospels. And if you're not familiar with this, with this book in the Bible or just new to church or faith or, or even just exploring with us today or watching online, the book of Acts is like, it's like a history book telling the story of the start of the church post the first apostles, post the cross and resurrection of Jesus. And Luke, the apostle, writes this, this uh, I, want, I want to say letter, but it's not. It's really a history, uh, piece of history. And what we read in Acts 2 is, is after this burst of excitement and this burst of growth that comes off the heels of the death and resurrection of Jesus and then the outpouring of God's Spirit uh, over like the initial apostles and this discipleship community of about 120 people, then followed by this gospel message by one of the apostles, his name is Peter, they launch into what we know as the church. The church begins or starts to be formed, and they, they launch into, into life as a church. Now, what was like this micro form for the first apostles? Um, 
and the first disciples of Jesus before this day, Pentecost, this moment when the Holy Spirit kind of pours on the church, springs it wide open. And so that's what we're reading. We're reading kind of post this time. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47, it's on the screen as well. And I want to just read it together as we jump in today. So here's what it says. So those who welcomed his message, his is Peter, Peter the person who had just shared this, this message outlining the story of the scriptures and the moments in Jesus' life. Those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Even in your own hearts, just welcome the work of, the, of God's Spirit just to help us see the beauty in this text today. Um, so as Luke writes this, he, he welcomes or he helps us understand this report kind of of what's going on at this time, this brief description, how the early church started, responded to this outpouring of God's Spirit to, you know, the, now the resurrection of Jesus that takes place, and then this birth of growth. And I don't know if anything's ever happened in your life so significant that your life and your patterns and your practices change. Have you ever experienced something so unique that it just changed the way you organize your life and practices? Maybe some of you who recently who bought a dog over the pandemic, you're like, what did I do? I never, three walks a day. Uh, you know, there's some awesome dog lovers right here for they just welcome that stuff. They'd take seven dogs if they could. But, um, but all of a sudden, you committed to like new habits, right? Um, there's something that goes on in, in your household or with a friend and maybe it could be more tragic and all of a sudden your whole schedule changes to help that person, right? When I was born, I'm a twin, my parents were thrown for a complete, complete loop. Um, not only did my mother have one baby, but my brother came out too. Now you're like, well, wouldn't she have known that? Well, it was the 70s, and um, x-rays were not perceived as uh, advantageous or healthy, and they were showing signs of negative effects on pregnant women. So my mom had read up on this stuff, and she, didn't want, she said, I'm not going to take the x-ray. And and uh, ultrasounds weren't really uh, popular back then. So she really didn't know what was growing inside of her. I mean, she knew there was a baby, but she didn't know that there was two because there w our heartbeats were so close together. So it was fascinating for my dad in the hospital at the time where dads weren't really allowed in the delivery room back then to hear over the speaker, Mr. Manifold, you have a second son. And like it floored him. He's like, he was like excited and nervous all at once. And you can imagine how that just like, boom, changed my household. Two kids to four kids in an instant, not knowing that and feeding patterns and changing diapers and washing clothes. And apparently, uh, I, I found out that even like maybe five or ten years later, every spring, my dad would feel the fatigue that he felt after five months of like caring for twins. And it was like almost like in his mind, uh, kind of as a muscle memory. Um, but as we got older, my mom did something she would never probably had wanted to do. She bought harnesses for kids. <laughs> they didn't send, they, no one called the cops on her. Everything was okay. But, but like two two-year-old boys in a mall, forget about it. So she just 
She held us on tight. So sometimes things happen in your life and patterns change, things you didn't think you would do, you start doing because you're building something, you're caring for something, you're forming something. My parents embraced this new reality and they definitely engaged new practices. When you are presented with that, you're presented with both opportunity and challenge, right? And this first expression of the church in Acts is, is way bigger than the birth of myself and my brother. Um, it's a big thing in the, in the early church as the early church starts. As this first expression of the church in, in Acts 2, they're learning to embrace what God is doing and they're learning to respond to what's God in, what God is doing by engaging practices to help them become who and what God wants them to be. They can't just let what happened happen. Now they engage it. They, their life is shaped around it. And they do two things. They embrace and they engage. And the first thing they do is they embrace. They see what God has done. They, they see God's, God's work. They see the Holy Spirit at work. They see people's lives transformed. They see miracles among the apostles. So they embrace what God just did and what he was doing. One of the big things that happened is 3,000 people are added to their number that day. I mean, the apostles hung around with Jesus for three and a half years, and usually the crowds came and left. And when the time of towards the cross came up, everyone left. And around just before Pentecost, there's maybe 120 followers of Jesus in, in an upper duplex in Jerusalem praying and waiting with the apostles. But that day, 3,000 are added to their number that day, from 12 to 120 to 3,000. Many people, initially at that, that day, many Jews responded to Peter's message. But later, as the message spread and churches grew and spread, Jews and non-Jews, as the church grew into Asia and Africa and centuries later, really across the globe. And when they embraced what God was doing, they did something. They didn't just say, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to like, post this on social media. Look what God did. They engaged what God was doing. Their embrace moved to engagement, and they engaged in practices that kept them tied to the early apostles, that kept them tied to the, the, the experience, the knowledge, um, the wisdom, and, and really the person of Jesus tied to the apostles. And that, that's when we read these, these four things, teaching, right, uh, fellowship, breaking of bread, and then also prayer. These are not just like things they did as like, I just put this on my agenda. These were apostolic traditions that they were tied to. They were apostolic uh, practices. And these practices, they weren't just for the sake of, we want to get together, we'd love to share a meal, I'm interested in a TED Talk, uh, you know, why don't we take some time to pray and, and be calm? No, no, these things tied them, tied this new group of believers to those who were with Jesus for three and a half years. And those who witnessed his death and witnessed his resurrection and witnessed his ascension. And so these four practices, the teaching and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, all tied them to these first apostles and to how they were being rooted in Jesus. And these four practices helped them become a family of disciples on mission. A family of disciples on mission. Now here's the thing with these four things. We're not going to go into each of them deeply, but... If you just lean on one of them, we become a really lopsided church. And, you know, some churches 
they think only teaching is important or only hanging out or fellowship is important or breaking of bread and prayer. And if you lean on one of them, you get a lopsided church. If you lean on any of them disconnected from the apostles, you get a non-apostolic church. So even things like fellowship and breaking of bread is still tying us to the apostolic tradition. It's not only the teaching, but it's all four. In fact, later, the Apostles' Creed that ended up being shared and recited and talked about and often through memory was written down, and uh, centuries later, we read that, you know, not only do we believe in God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, but we're one holy Catholic, small c, or universal apostolic church. That's the church hovered around this. And these four practices tied us and the church over history to the apostolic tradition that was rooted not in just anything, but in Jesus, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension. And so the teaching was really important. There was a bit of knowledge. There was a bit of experience sharing. But it was more than knowledge and encounter. It was who was Jesus, who is Jesus, and the formation in the way of Jesus. And it's so, it's, it's so important that we catch this sometimes. I, I thought about this with the Apostle Paul. Paul the Apostle Paul, was, he was, his name was Saul. Then he encounters Jesus on a road to Damascus. Jesus comes to him, like, like literally surprises him. Uh, he loses his sight, later meets another follower of Jesus, gains his sight. The Apostle Paul knew a lot of Scripture, even says he knew the way of the Lord. But it's interesting, there was a, a woman named Priscilla that came and taught Paul better helped him move forward in his faith, helped him tie what he was experiencing and encountering into the way of Jesus. And Priscilla and her husband Apollos walked alongside Paul to help him get tied to that. He was later known as an apostle because he was around during that time, but even he embraced these practices. Fellowship is more than just getting together with friends. It's a church community becoming a community around Jesus, the generosity and hospitality of Jesus, a caring family of justice and reconciliation and generosity and hospitality where people serve one another because Jesus served. I think we read that today. He didn't only come uh, to be served. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve and become a ransom for us. The breaking of bread we read how they broke bread in their homes, and as they obviously had to split up into multiple small pockets, of course, later they hung out in homes and in temples or in large gatherings and small, but they continually broke bread together. And that meal, that agape meal, that feast that we're going to partly share it with these elements later today, that brought them back to the Last Supper, that brought them back to Jesus was with his disciples. Jesus broke bread. Jesus poured wine. Jesus pointed to his death and then to new creation. And it helped people who were followers of Jesus stay connected to the cross, to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the prayers were not just prayers when something goes wrong in their life. It wasn't just prayers for, you know, I'm praying for this that's going on uh, in my house. It was really a submission to God's kingdom. And so, yes, prayers matter because when we pray, we actually are reminded that heaven and earth meet. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, where God's space and our space actually interact, and we long to know what God is thinking and doing and longs to do, so his kingdom and his vision actually get, actually we can experience it in glimpses here, 
Not in fullness, but in glimpses. And so when we pray, it matters, right? We submit in prayer, and we also solicit in prayer. And so these four practices are what forms the church. They, they rooted the church in Jesus. But sometimes we look at Acts 2 and we're like, this is it. This is great. We're going to do these four practices, and um, that's awesome. But the church in Acts 2 was only the beginning, The church in Acts 2 just started, and these practices were important because while they engaged these practices to start, as the church grew and multiplied, they began to see themselves way bigger than just a group, way more than just a large group. They eventually saw themselves as a body, as a family. The Apostle Paul later would pen the majority of the New Testament and those letters to, real, to churches, not just those 3,000 people who came to faith that day and got baptized and became part of the church community, but later as the church spread throughout Rome and, and Antioch and Ephesus and, and Philippi and all these places and all these pockets, as Paul was writing to these new churches, he was no longer just saying, oh, you guys are just a gathering of people. He's, he started to use the word body. You're a body. And Jesus is the head of that body. And these letters to these churches, now there's this new language of body. And I just want to read one, one, one portion of one letter that he writes to the church in Corinth where this theme really comes up. And um, I'm not going to unpack it. We're just going to read it. So listen to it. And I emphasized a few sections on the screen. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker, they're indispensable. And those members of the body that we think uh, less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, and various kinds of tongues. And Paul will go on from there. But did you see the image, the metaphor? It's not just 3,000 people, it's a body. It's not just a group, it's a family. It's people who are now tied together in Jesus. And this is important, engaged practices continued to form the church. Remember that, and the practices we engage in, like today, teaching, we're sharing bread, we're worshiping, we're praying, we're having fellowship, they form the church. But engaged ministry, that's how the church functions. 
So these, the practices that we, we participate in communally and even individually, they form the church. But ministry, engaged ministry, is the function of the church. And so here's my invitation to us today. This is not going to be a long series. It's a one-day one uh, teaching today as we move on to something else next week. But here's my fresh invitation to you today. Are you engaged? Not just, not just in these practices, yes, but are you engaged in ministry? Are you engaged in ministry? In the ministries from the New Testament that help us function not just as a group but as a body. Practices are the way we're formed together. Ministry is the way we serve together. Very different. Both important, but very different. Practices are the way we're formed together. And when we worship, when we read Scripture like we did today, we, we retell each other the gospel story, the message of God's kingdom. We, we come together so we're refreshed in, in who God is and who Christ is and the work of the Holy Spirit. As we break bread later, we're tying ourselves back to the Last Supper. All these pieces are important. They form us, but ministry is the way we serve together. And so our current moment or season of ministry, I think, feels a little unique to me uh, we've been around almost 20, year now, 20 years now as a church, and while I will not equate uh, the little bursts of activity and growth we've seen in the last 12 months to Acts chapter 2, I would be foolish to do that. Um, but we've, we've, we've been encouraged the last 12 months. We've seen this convergence of growth and people getting baptized and others that are on the journey towards baptism. Uh, we're seeing a significant number of our, of our church, both now older and younger, we're seeing almost maybe 25% of our church community under the age of 25. Most churches are, are praying, Lord, how do, we, how do we reach one nine-year-old, one 15-year-old? And we're making space to have almost 80 kids under the age of 12 in Kids Quest every Sunday. And, and 30 youth and 30 or so young adults. That's a, a big chunk of a church our size. We're not huge. We're, we're like a modest-sized church, and, we're, and, and that's okay. I'm not, we're not talking about numbers in any way, but we're grateful for that. That's, that's a, a significant thing. And the ways God has allowed us to use our space more and interact with the neighborhood, we're just seeing God is at work in certain ways. We want to be able to embrace what God is doing among us. But we also want to engage in ministry. And that's my invitation to some of us that have been part of our church Maybe you came here today for the first time or you've just been, you know, second or third time here. You're like, is David talking to me? <laughs> and uh, maybe, I mean, if God's talking to you, I'll let, I'll let you deal with the Lord. But, but, I mean, if you've been around with us for six months or, or so or more, and, and this place has become, or not this place, but this community has become a home to you, a spiritual home um, where you find uh, purpose and growth and accountability and a place that our faith, we grow together, then my question is, will you embrace what God is doing among us? And will you engage the ministry with us? Will you engage the ministry with us? There's a big difference between experience and encounter versus embracing and engaging. Now, you might not be a Christian yet, and you're just exploring faith, and don't worry, we're not asking you to join anything today. <laughs> But we would say to you, if you're just exploring faith, then explore at your own pace. We always tell people, don't, like, there's no amount of time um, that, someone, that we, we put a, a stop on exploring. Oh, 
You're done exploring. I think you need to do something about that because we trust that there's a journey between you and the Lord and what you're experiencing here with us. But maybe your next best, best step is what you heard from Angela and Al today. It's Alpha. Where that your next step is, is oh, I want to I learn. I want to discover. I want to go to a place where we can ask questions and go chat with uh, Al later or Angela later. I was so grateful because I, I heard her, stor- her story personally and and I mean, who is there? Maybe there's another Angela. I'm sure there's another Angela among us today in that way. And I'm sure there, among your friends, there's an Angela out there that would benefit from this. But if that's you, then maybe your next step is Alpha. Or maybe you just need to say, hey, I've been around here for a while. I'd love to chat with someone. I have some questions. And that's a, that's a good next step. But if you're beyond that stage... And you, find your, and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, and recognizing that we never follow Jesus alone, we become part of his body, the church. No one comes to Christ in isolation. Anybody who comes to Christ is part of his church. And that's really essential. And baptism also enforces that as well. So my question, if you're growing, connecting, leaning in, will you engage in ministry with us? Will you join one of the pockets of our ministry teams and, and help and come alongside some of those that are ministering. And you might say, oh man, but I, I don't know if like, like, is that really part of what it means to be a church? I love coming. I love the music. I love listening. I love leaving encouraged. Um, but like, what does that mean? Well, if, if one is a follower of Jesus, the New Testament says we're part of his body and the body has different parts. And see, this is the cool thing about the church it should be, I think I would say it's, it should be the, the same with every church, but this is what I really feel about our church is that we're an ecosystem. And sometimes there's parts of that ecosystem, like a few people doing something on a Tuesday night, and it's not really connected fully to our, our ministry, or there's an overlap of conversation and encouragement. There's these things that happen like as little, little spin-offs. but the ecosystem of our church is, a, is an ecosystem of care and love and learning and support and discipleship, and connection, and worship. And there's benefactors in that ecosystem. People that, if you come to our gathering, there's a benefit to being here. If you come to our, uh, one of our groups, or Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, or Alpha This Fall, or one of the small groups we want to start in the neighborhood this fall, Kids Quest, Youth, Potlucks, Events, people become benefactors of those things. And that's okay. That's why we do these things. We are so grateful that people are benefiting from our gathering today. We're so grateful that kids are benefiting from Kids Quest today. We're so grateful when someone benefits from, you know, coming alongside our church community. And, and this is possible because the ecosystem exists. That's just another word for body. There's a, a girl, her name is Jenny. Uh, when the ice storm hit uh, last winter, uh, we opened up our, our, our space for a day, a, a day or two. And the first day was just filled with people, Westsiders, friends, community people, neighbors coming to charge their phone, get some food. And it was a lot of fun that day. There was one girl, one lady, her name was Jenny. And are you here? Jenny! (laughs) And so she showed up that day. We've never met Jenny before. And she brought her nine or 10 year old son. And so she, I don't know, by being in the building, found out that we have a, a kids' environment and she just asked a few questions, and then she, she, she started joining us and coming. But this is, Jenny, this is really cool. Um, 
we did a movie night this, this, this summer. It's just part of our summer calendar. And so I'm, I see three, four people, a bunch of kids. I, I, don't even know, I don't know who they are. And then they're all hovering around Jenny. And Jenny's like, these are my friends. I brought them to the movie night. <laughs> and I just, it just blew me away, the impact of an ecosystem when we're working together. You might not benefit from every part, but you benefit from the whole. And yes, people like Jenny came that day and benefited from our space being open for charging our phone. Like, we weren't, like, she's here today listening to the scriptures being taught, but that didn't happen that day. We had pizza and drinks and a lot of phone chargers all over the building. And, uh, and that's just amazing. That's how the ecosystem works. There's another uh, young girl in our church community about th- four or five years ago. Um, she, I think she came to a, co- a Christmas concert we had before COVID, and then she started exploring a bit. As COVID hit, some of the times we had very, very smaller numbers in here. She would pop up uh, and just, you know, listen quietly online. She had a friend in our church community that did invite her, l- slowly got connected with some of our young adults. She came to faith she, uh, she got baptized this la- this la- in the last year. And what, this is what, what just, like, encourages me so much. We met this girl as a seeker. And this fall, she's serving in Kids Quest. And there's no timeline on, there's no magic timeline to this. But it's just beautiful to see when the body of Christ is working and when people can embrace what God is doing and when we can all play our part, and regardless of who it is or what story we share, some of us have played a part in those stories because we're all part of the ecosystem, right? And that's so encouraging to me that someone could move from seeker to server, from seeking to serving, from encounter to engagement. So that's my question to you today. If you're, if you're in that kind of circle within our church, are you engaged in ministry with us? And that's why today, after the gathering in the lobby, a whole bunch of our ministry teams, there's some signs up where you can just be curious. Just go talk to them and ask them, hey, what do you do? What's, what's involved in this ministry? What's the impact of this ministry? What happens? And you know, the two stories I mentioned to you, four or five of those ministry had little touch points with those people. And that's the beauty of it. And so today, at the end, I'd really encourage you, once we're done here, that you would just go into the lobby and just, just slow down just a little bit before you rush out to your car or whatever and just say, oh, you know what, I want to I know what that ministry does or what that ministry does. And if, if something that we do is not listed there, we're going to be promoting it more this month. So you will have an opportunity to make a step of engagement. Does that sound good? Do that at the end? That's really important. And so that's the way we engage. And just, just before we, we, we move in just a couple of minutes to share communion together, I think there's, there's two slight other ways that we, um, we also engage. I, I shouldn't have said the word slightly because I'm diminishing it, which is not the point. But one, I think, is in the area of giving. We've had an amazing culture at Westside of generosity and stewardship that has really grown over the years. We've remained a simple, sustainable, I think modest kind of church that way. And one of the results of that is that we haven't had roller coaster moments of, oh my gosh, we don't have no money, or oh my gosh, we went and spent the whole budget. Or like, we've been grateful that way by the people that are involved in those things. Um, but as our, and, and so I've been so grateful with that. And over time, we've, we've, I've really seen us become a, you know, a community of generosity. But I also look and say, the church, we're not the same church as we were five years ago or 10 years ago. There's different people here as well, too, new people, and that call Westside home. And I'm like, well, as our community grows, 
our engagement financially should grow too. I don't mean necessarily just the people who are giving. I mean those who are just like, oh, yes, I'm part of this community. And it's not for the sake of numbers, and it's not for the sake of reaching a number, but it's because every body part does its part. All of us do our part. Now, I'm not going to walk you through biblical reasons. You can go, there's like two podcast series over the last 18 months you can go listen to if that's your interest. We've taught through that before. But if you've come to discern and decide that Westside is your home church and you're growing with us and learning with us and moving forward with us, then I just encourage you, just engage in, in proportionate giving. That means, proportionate means you don't give what I give because you probably make diff a different salary than me. And you don't give what the next person gives because you might make more or less than them. It's, it's giving a, a, a proportionate part of our income. My wife and I have practiced this for 35 years where we've always set this benchmark principle of, of about 10%, like just to fuel local mission. And then as the Lord leads us beyond that stuff, and we've never regretted a penny. And we've been involved in three, four churches in 35 years. It wasn't about the church. It was about, I want to be engaged. And the, this is, well, let me share this really quick story. There's a, someone who came to our, was part of our church just for a couple of months this year because they were transitioning in homes in, in another province and they were here for two months. And I, I don't, I don't uh, our finance team doesn't let me see numbers behind the screens. You know, I, I know big, num big budget numbers, but I get a note when somebody, uh, when somebody uh, like kind of gives for the first time because we want to celebrate that and encourage that and, and um, yeah, just let them know how much it inspires us. So this person that was just part of our church for two months sent in a donation. And I thought, what would make somebody who hasn't, wasn't part of our church before is going to be living in another town permanently, but spends two months of his, of his year with us, donate. And I realized this person already made an advanced decision in his mind. His advanced decision was, I want to always be engaged in local church ministry. And if for two months I'm here, I'm going to bless this place. That really encouraged me. That really inspired me. And the last part that is, is just how do we engage in prayer this season? We grew, we grew a lot in prayer last season. This September 29th, we're going to have a prayer evening and worship evening right here in this space and then launch other prayer environments this fall and into the new year. But So I, my encouragement to you as the local church prayed to be formed in the way of Jesus, both to submit to God's kingdom, but also to call on the Lord and say, Lord, would you do this fresh in our day? We invite you to engage with us in ministry through prayer, that we come together and say, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in Montreal, in Point Claire, in Beaconsfield, in Nuns Island, in St. Laurent, in Vaudreuil, in Il Perot, in Hudson, in Laval, in the South Shore. God, would, you, would your kingdom come, would your will be done here on my street with my friends and family members in my network at, at work? God, we just, we long for you to, to be at work. And so when we pray, we're engaged in that way. I'm going to invite the team to come up as we close with communion. But let me just ask, ask you this question. Think about this. How did the early church embrace what God was doing among them? How did the early church embrace what God was doing among them? They engaged these practices. How did the church become a body? They engaged ministry. And when we look back to the first three centuries of the church and the trajectory of church history, and trust me, I've read my fair share of not the so great stories of church history. 
and we should be vulnerable and open about them as well. But the church that has um, existed and been a light for God's kingdom and been a reflection of community to the world around it in, in every century, in all pockets of the world, I believe the way that the church was able to do that and the way that we're able to do that today because we're, we don't live... We don't live in the, in the 15th or 16th century during the Reformation. We don't live in the 10th century. We don't live in the 1st century. We don't live in the 3rd century when the, the Bible, you know, was put together as a, as a collection of books. Uh, we don't live in that time period. We, we live here in Montreal in 2023, right? Is that where you live? We're on the same page? Nobody's like from another time warp? Okay, cool. So this is where we live. And the, the, the Lord calls us today to embrace these practices to engage, to engage in ministry. The way they were able to embrace what God was doing then is that they engaged the practices and the ministries and the generosity and the prayer. So it's, it's our turn. It's our turn. And I know some of us are already doing that. And I pray that as you've heard me this morning, you can celebrate with me. But I think some, God's like nudging us to move past experience and encounter and move to engagement move past experience and encounter and move to engagement. I believe in my heart, I'm not just saying this, I really believe that this season there's some wonderful opportunity and challenge among us as we've seen what God has done the last 12 months. We want to make space for that. We want to make room for that. We want to engage in that. We can all be part of it through our engagement. Amen? We can all be part of that. So if that's you today, um, as we, once we're done, I encourage you to make a step and talk to some of the people out in the lobby. And um, if you're not ready for that, just leave us a note, leave us a card, or just be curious and, and ask and talk and see what happens that in the next few weeks where, where's the Lord calling you to engage and move forward? And we'd love to help you with that. And if you're, if you're young here today, if you're a youth here today, see our youth ministry, see uh, Kelly, our youth pastor, some of our youth team, they're gonna be out in the lobby too. We believe that everybody has an opportunity to engage. And, and those of you guys who are youth or teens, you, you know I bug you guys a lot in the lobby when we chat and when we hang out. I, I think God has a purpose for you. I don't just think it. I believe God has a purpose for you. I've seen God at work in your life. And I have seen uh, so many people just be used by God in their teen years. And I just, I, I don't want to be a church that misses that in your life. And so we just want to encourage you as well to lean in uh, that way. And we want to help you do that. So let's pray and then get our hearts ready for communion to close our gathering. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, just come before you. First of all, we thank you that, you know, we're here today because we've encountered the risen Christ. We're here today because we have experienced the love and the grace and the truth and the conviction of your Holy Spirit. We're here today because you announced your kingdom come, drawing into our world, coming near through your son Jesus, who died on a cross, and resurrected and ascended. We're here because we're loyal to King Jesus. And many, God, I thank you for many who are engaged in our ministry through serving and generosity and prayer and general um, just connection and hospitality, God. And I just, Lord, we know you're doing something beautiful in us. And we, and I pray, God, for some who are just, just on the verge of, of a next step 
uh, and what it means to engage ministry with your church, God. I, I just, I pray, God, that you would just help all of us to see the opportunity to be part of your mission, part of your ministry, part of your kingdom. And God, we surrender this fall to you. We surrender the start of Alpha in less than four weeks. Oh, God, surprise us with what you do there. We pray you do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine in those environments. We pray for the smaller groups we want to see start and grow this season and the way we want to serve the next generation and every generation. Oh, God, the way you want us to steward this space. God, may we be ready. May we engage. We pray this in Jesus' name. And for some who are here just exploring faith, God, may they know as they, we wrap up today that they can ask questions and um, come into an environment where they can explore and discover. And we pray that you would speak so deeply and truly into their hearts today in this season so they would come to encounter who you are and your purpose for them. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.